0: welcome back to Deconstructing the Bible. I'm Jason Stephen Hagen, the Associate Minister at The Well in Minnesota. And in this series, we are looking at ways to understand the Bible more deeply. We are deconstructing, taking things apart, um, ways that we have understood things, ways that we've engaged. We're taking them apart so that we can reconstruct, we can put them back together, deconstruct and reconstruct. We want to be able to have a more full and whole and Justice oriented uh, understanding of the Bible. And so we are going to be deconstructing as well as reconstructing, offering new ideas. And so in this episode, episode number two, I want to take us through how we create meaning and understanding by reading the Bible, how we gain meaning and understanding when we read the Bible. So the first way that I want us to engage this is through a framework that um, Father Richard Rohr uh, puts out, and in this framework, we're looking at different levels of meaning. So when we read a passage of scripture, there are different ways that we can read it. Now see, here's the deconstruction part. So the deconstruction part is that when I was first taught about the Bible um, kind of early on, um, it was often told to me that the goal is to um, is to understand the Bible understand what it means, so that way we can apply it. So we have to have, there's, there's one way to understand it, one way to create meaning, and then there are um, ways to apply it, and typically like one way to apply it. And so it's kind of this one-to-one-to-one. What is What does it say? What does it mean? And then how do I apply it? What does it say? What does it mean? How do I apply it? And that's a lot of kind of, to be honest, modern-day preaching is, we read the Bible, here's what it says, here's what that means, and then here's how we apply it today. I want to propose kind of a different way of going about it. And and to get us started, as I mentioned, Father Richard Rohr has this great framework about these four levels of meaning, four levels of how we understand the scriptures. The first one is the literal meaning. How do we literally understand what is going on here? What is it saying on the surface? Um, and we dive right into the kind of the plainest, simplest reading of the text. If it says that, then it must mean that. And so we have a literal reading. And and the, the good thing about a literal reading is that we take the Scripture for what it's saying at its face value, which can be a really important thing to do. But then there are other times when there are other passages where it's kind of complicated. Like when metaphors are used, God is like... Um, you know god is like a mother hen gathering all her chicks um to herself okay does that mean god is female does that mean god is like a giant chicken okay now i'm not going to take that literally but i could probably take that a little differently so the literal translation little literal meaning um becomes a little bit more complicated so we got to be careful with the literal meaning um oftentimes some of the most dangerous understandings of the bible that have been put to the most harm have come from a literal understanding of the Scripture. So, we want to take it seriously, we want to look at what it's saying, but we want to ask some questions, and that's where we get into a second level of meaning. What about deep meaning, as Richard Rohr puts it, which offers a more symbolic or allegorical application. So for instance, if God is like a mother hen gathering all her chicks unto herself in order to protect them, okay, a deep meaning would be symbolic or allegorical. Okay, God is like this. So what does that mean? God is protective, right? God provides shelter. Um God provides nurture and care. And so we get into these different ways of unpacking the scriptures because it's a slightly different de- level a deep meaning level of understanding what the Bible is trying to say the set the third level of uh, of meaning is comparative study comparative meaning so we dive into what is this text in contrast to other, texts. So other places in the Bible that maybe use something similar, how could that teach us about this passage? And I'm going to get to one later on um, because I'm going to use an example for another way of understanding this that uses a, a way of going from one text to another in order to understand things. So and one, one example of this could be where Jesus... Um, uses the phrase, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And that word repent um, has some really important implications for us. And if we dive into the Greek, we dive into the Hebrew understanding of what that word means, it helps us understand it more deeply. Paul also uses that phrase, um, but he, he, well, it's translated differently for us. In Romans 12, 2, it says, um, Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by changing the way you think. Right? And changing the way you think is metanoia, which is the same word that is used to translate the word repent. Both words are used metanoia. One is translated repent, one is translated changing the way you think. So we have the same word used in different places in the Bible, um, and it helps us get a deeper meaning by using a comparative meaning um, in order to, to get at it. Finally, the fourth level, and this is the one that um, is probably the the least frequently engaged, and it's the hidden meeting. It's the mystery um, inside of what we're talking about. What is the deeper sense that's going on in this? How do we get to love and justice? How do we get to shalom by looking at this text? Um, you know, Jesus says that all scripture um, is pointing to him. And so it's pointing to this self-sacrificial love, this this uh, this way of, of giving of oneself, pouring oneself out as a drink offering, uh, this idea of sacrificing for the sake of the other, um, that love is, is fully realized on the cross and through the resurrection. And so how do we see the hidden meaning um, at that's, that's the mystery itself found within scriptures? Um, and so these four levels that Richard Rohr points out, the literal meaning, the deep meaning, the comparative meaning, and the hidden meaning. So these are four different ways that we could approach a text. And sometimes, like I said, it's good to approach it from the literal meaning level. Sometimes we need to take it to a deeper meaning, where we get into the symbolic or the allegorical way of looking at it. Sometimes it's good to use a comparative and see where that phrase or that story or that understanding is used elsewhere in Scripture. And then, are we looking for a hidden meaning, this this, this lens that points us to shalom, that points us to justice, that points us to love. Where is that hidden within the text? So that's one way of approaching how we read the Bible. And now a similar way of, of, of reading the Bible, or a different kind of take on this, um, is actually a very ancient way of understanding the Bible. It's called Midrash, and it's a Jewish um, rabbinical way from the rabbis, a Jewish rabbinical way of diving into the text. And so, there's a great book um, by Sandy Eisenberg Sasso um, called Midrash: Reading the Bible with Question Marks. Um, and this book is really helpful because it it dives into how um, all the way back um, to Jesus's time and before, it would have been how rabbis engaged the scriptures. And so they had a fourfold way of engaging the scriptures as well. And I want to walk us through that that fourfold method. The first place, the first level of this fourfold method of, of Midrash is the Peshat. Peshat is the first method of interpretation. And it involves, similar to the literal, it's the, what do we straightforwardly observe in this text, right? What are we observing in this text? And so, I want to use an example as we navigate this. And the example is going to be Exodus um, 16, uh, 3 through 5, and then also 22 through 23. And I won't read the whole thing to you, but basically, Exodus 16 is where the people of Israel are in the wilderness after they've crossed the Red Sea out of Egypt And they find themselves wandering in the wilderness and they're groaning that they want to go back to Egypt because there's no food. Well, God decides to bring manna from heaven, this bread from heaven. Every single day, God will drop bread for the people, except on the seventh day. On the seventh day, God will not drop bread, but instead on the sixth day, they will have enough bread for two days because... God wants them to rest on the seventh day. So six days, there's enough food with the sixth day having a double portion so that they can have enough for a day of rest on the seventh day. So now on the surface, what would we have here if we're looking at it from a Peshat angle? We're looking at, very literally, people are hungry and they're being provided food, which is a really great thing. Also, they're being provided enough food for every day, including on the sixth day, enough for the seventh day where they are called upon to, to rest and to, to have a day where they aren't working. And so the Peshat gives us this plain understanding of what is going. Now, the second level of interpretation, as Sasso talks about, looks for connections between one text and another, similar to that comparative that Roar talked about. Sometimes we have to look a little deeper and see maybe what's going on here. And this level, this second level is called And Ramez is looking for those allegorical connections between other passages. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, that six-in-one rhythm that's talked about, that six-in-one rhythm points us to something, right? It points us all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, right after God got done with the six days of creation and then told the people to rest on day 7, Right, So this is a rhythm that was birthed into all of creation. The way that it was created is this six-in-one rhythm. And so we see this in Exodus, but it's actually looking back to the beginning in Genesis. And so we see this comparative, this remez, that allows us to understand that it's not just about what God is doing for people in the wilderness. Maybe it's about the way God has designed everything, right? Maybe this is how creation is always meant to be in rhythm. Is six in one. Now, finally, the or or thirdly, there, there's another method for understanding scripture, and it's called drosh, which is where we get the word midrash, and it's and it's literally means to search. And so, what we're doing here is we're looking for a meaning that's maybe not quite on the surface. What could this mean for us, right? So, what could this mean for us? You know, and so, one of the things that we look at when we're talking about a day of rest. And we're looking at this sabbath what could be going on on a day of rest why does someone need to rest what does someone do on a day of rest maybe they look back at all the work they've done to admire and appreciate what they've done maybe they're resting because they're preparing for the road ahead they just got done with something important and now they are resting in order to prepare their heart mind and soul for what is to come and so the, the drosh, the midrash of this is to ask ourselves, as we understand this six in one rhythm, what does it mean to be people that look back and appreciate where we've been? And also, what does it mean to be a people who rest and prepare for what is ahead? So midrash is asking this question of what does it mean for us to apply or to engage this text, to engage this meaning behind the text that we are reading. And then finally, there's a fourth uh level of interpretation. It's called Sod, and it's that mystical understanding of the biblical narrative. It gets at what is the deep mystery inside of all of this. And that's where I would say, you know, and I I don't know the the specific way that the rabbis would understand this Exodus 16 and this Genesis chapter 2, but I, my, my personal understanding, my personal belief is that in order to be fully human, God is inviting us to have rhythms in our life. That there is a, a divine rhythm and flow in order to be whole. We need to slow down. We need to appreciate where we've been, to look back and remember. The Bible so often calls people to remember, 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 remember what God has done. Right? Why? So that you can be appreciative and see where the Lord has brought you, see where God has met you. But also, we are pausing because There's a new day about to dawn. There's something new that is about to happen, and we need to pause and prepare for it. And so God has built in this rhythm into all of creation, built it into the beginning of creation, built it in to the way in which the Israelites received food in the wilderness. And God is maybe speaking to us about a way to be human, a way to be engaged in relationship where we are able to look back and appreciate, but also able to pause long enough to rest and to prepare for what is ahead. So we have the four levels of Midrash. Our Peshat, what is the straightforward, on-the-surface meaning of what is happening? We have Ramez, what is the comparative or allegorical connections that we can find? The Midrash, or the Drash, about what could it mean for us in our time, in our day? What could it be speaking to us? And then finally, sowed, how does this connect to the mystical, the deeper meaning, the hidden meaning going on within all of Scripture? And so those are two different ways of under, of, of looking at how can we engage the Bible, right? So we have these ways that, that Richard Rohr talks about, these levels of meaning, the literal level, the deeper meaning, the comparative meaning, and the hidden meaning. And then in Midrash, we have these four levels of meaning that are also very similar. We have Peshat and Remez and Drash and Sod. And these are different ways of trying to understand what the Bible is teaching us. And so when you open your Bible, it's not as simple Or it shouldn't be as simple as, what does it say? What does it mean? How can I apply it? But you need to ask some deeper questions. Is there anything else in this passage that's connected elsewhere? And what could that tell me? Uh, Is there anything hidden in this that's pointing me to a larger truth that God has been up to since the beginning and that Christ is leading us to by the power of the Spirit? And so when we ask these questions about Um, the, the Midrash way of understanding scripture, we can get at some deeper levels of meaning, deeper levels of interpretation, and they can be applied in our lives in a really transformational way. Just imagine if we all actually operated with a Sabbath. Imagine if we actually all operated in a six-in-one rhythm where we really did slow down and we looked back on our lives, we looked back on what God had for us in this past week, and then we also prepared our hearts and our minds and our souls, and with all of our strength, we prepared for what was ahead. What if we operated in that way? How would that transform who we are as individuals and who we are as a people? Well, this is episode two of deconstructing the Bible where we do a little deconstruction of what we know and we also provide a little reconstruction of how we can go about understanding things. So I hope that you enjoyed this. Please feel free to subscribe to this as well as the other podcasts put out by The Well, Local to Global, Virtual Voices, and Worship at The Well. We look forward to connecting with you again next week. Thanks.